Hey, welcome back to Rocky Unscripted, where we talk about faith when Sunday is over. We are glad you're here. Hey, today is part two of a two-part series on staff values here at Rocky. Mitch and Amanda and I discuss how we developed the last three of our six total values that have helped shape our staff culture. In addition, we discuss the difference between types of values. There's core, there's aspirational, there's permission to play, and finally, accidental values. Hint, hint, you don't really want those in your organization. There's all that, and there's more in this episode, so let's dive in. Mitch and Amanda, I don't know if we've had this combination with the two of you on a podcast. Have we had that? Have you had you guys at the same time? No. I don't think so. Have it's it's about time. It's about time. We um, just fist bumped. We, yeah, you couldn't see that in the, in the podcast, and we don't have a video of this, this episode. So thank you, Mitch, for filling in the blanks. I listened to you talk about um, the Enneagram and talk about my eightness on there. We oh, talked I, about you? I what wasn't did, actually you, here to defend myself. What did you think? I mean, I thought overall you did a really good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I thought you did great. Did, did you resonate with any of that? Yeah, I, I mean, we're, this isn't about the Enneagram. Okay, but let's actually, let's, let's talk about that. Because Mitch and I met yesterday. Yeah. We met yesterday because we're working on uh, a podcast series that we want to start in the next several weeks. I don't even know when it'll, it'll air. Mm-hmm. It'll be at least nine episodes, one for each number in the Enneagram, talking through subtypes. And this is just a little commercial for it, okay? The format is going to look like it's going to be me and Mitch talking, but we're going to have at least one special guest that is that number for every single week. And Mitch, real quick, why is it important to talk about subtypes? So outside of understanding your core number, your core motivation, subtypes is the most important thing. For you to understand about your number and how you interact with the world. There's three general instincts that flavor your core motivation. And we want to give some more practical helps uh, to help you discover not only what that is, but then what you can do about that to grow um, even more uniquely and specifically to who you are. So as far as we've done... uh, Three or four episodes on Enneagram. Actually, if you combine the ones we did, like it's, six, it's more like six or seven. Anyway, I think we we think this will be be the most practical, most helpful than anything we've talked about so far. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, you, you said you were listening to our first couple of episodes. You're like, I want to redo all those. Yeah, I'd re- I want to redo mine. <laughs> hey, I have a, a funny too. Before we move on to our real topic, which do you know what it's like living in an office with an Enneagram expert? Living in an office? Wow. You mean working, working in an yeah, office? I feel I, like I live in an office <laughs> with that, Mitch. That is also saying something right there. Because hey, oh, I can't wait until we get to one of our values uh, later. <laughs> okay, why? Because Mitch does this little thing the other day. We're in the office. I'm exercising something that Mitch has, has said, like, hey, okay. in, in your eight Enneagram, you could work on this. We'd had, had a discussion. I'm doing that exercising that Mitch just walks by and gives me the thumbs up all the way by and walks into his office. You recognize that? Hey, I am trying to reward what I want repeated. And so I love it. Very manipulative, (laughs) but effective. I mean, it was effective, Uh, Uh but you did understand why I was giving you the thumbs up the first time, but I've done it a couple of times since. Oh yeah. So eights are very unaware of some of those kind of things. So I was doing it, but I wasn't realizing what, what Mitch was applauding me for. So I'm like, why are you giving me thumbs? I'll take it, but (laughs) 
Please explain. Uh-huh. So we're looking forward to that that uh, Enneagram series, and we're breaking up into nine. I think it'll be helpful because people can listen to. All right, I'm listening to this episode because my spouse is a three, or I am a seven, or whatever. My I think my mom's a two, whatever. You mm-hmm. can listen to that, and you'll get tons of information specifically about that number. But today, we are talking about part two of a series where we're getting very practical about our specific staff values at church. I think one of the reasons why it's taken us this long to have these two episodes, um, in addition to what I said in the the last episode, is I think sometimes it feels unspiritual to be really practical. And when we talk about church leadership, we often just want to talk about it's about sacrifice, it's about serving, it's about reading your Bible more, and you just want to get all spiritual and you want to bypass things that are like, no, 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 these are nuts and bolts things that we are going to hold each other to. But I think over time we realize, no, it's really, really helpful to talk about these things. And maybe the spiritual things that we feel like we're supposed to say, can we just set those aside and say, yes, those are assumed. So I think it's been it's been helpful to, to dive into it. So um, I want to say something to the listener who might be thinking, okay, I, I after listening to the, the first three and just reading some books and my own kind of self-guidance, I think I want to create some values for my organization, my small business, my family. There was one step that we took in developing these that I think is really important. And that is we didn't, as a leadership team, just come up with these six values and then say, everyone, we are going to hire and or fire you based on these values. <laughs> we needed to get buy-in. And for us, what did that look like? Mitch, you want to talk about it? Yeah, I mean, we we had like uh, a skeleton of what we thought our values were. Did you say were. skeleton? A skeleton. A <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is that clear? Skeleton. Is that clear? Just, you said it kind of weird, but that's okay. Okay. Yeah. Skeleton. A skeleton. Skeleton um, of the of the values that we we thought were valuable. Yeah. And then we we actually put them on different poster boards and actually asked the staff to like, hey, what does this actually look like? What does this mean to you? How do you see this um, currently in our organization? Where do you not see it? And we just had them start writing sticky notes and they just, we put up tons of sticky notes for all of our six values and let them speak into how we worded mm. everything and come up with it. And what we've recognized after that was people were like, man, thank you for doing that because that helped create buy-in yes. mm-hmm. on that. And again, that's not the only way you could do that to help create buy-in, but I think putting it out to your staff so that they can contribute in some way is incredibly helpful. Because yeah. we had done it the other way, yes. by the way. When we had the values the first time, it was more of a, hey, here's the values that Sean as the lead guy kind of said, this is what's important to me. Lead team, we put those out. No one remembered them, mm. and we definitely didn't live by them as much mm-hmm. as we did when it was like, hey, we're all going to get in the room and have a buy-in. And I think the next step that's funny is all those people that were in the room, not all those people are on staff still. And so um, you do that exercise, and then you bring new people in. It's easier to talk about, but you do have to work a little harder to get them to understand yeah. and for buy-in it's because true. they weren't part of that process. Right. And so... Yeah. yeah. And people, point. I think you mentioned this last week, people would say like, do you really value this? Is this for real? Is this, is this true? One of them that we're going to talk about today is what I see the most. They weren't in the room and that it's just say it and we'll get to it in a little bit, but that it's a scary thing a little bit and people don't always trust it. Right. 
can I just say it and not be punished? Um, because typically in our culture, there's repercussions for being honest or mm-hmm. giving your last 10% or so mm-hmm. anyway, it's the one when people come from other organizations that they're a little leery. It's gun shy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With that. So Mitch, also you were talking earlier before we get into the specifics, you said there, we, we talked a little bit about this with Cindy Fiala when she was on the, the, the show a couple months ago, but there are different types of values mm-hmm. and it's helpful to know which is which some of them you want to avoid. And some of them, you just want to understand the category. Can you mm-hmm. go through those? Uh, you, you, the first one you said was an aspirational value. Yeah, so, we, I mean, so an aspirational value is something that is not currently embedded or ingrained into the culture of your organization, but it's something you really want to become a part of your organization. And you want to see flourish. You want to be described as X, Y, or Z in your organization, when people look at you and and how people function, you want this to be a describer of that. So that's, you're aspiring to achieve it. And then um, another one is permission to play values. This is like, you know, integrity, honesty, um, you know, work ethic. This is like the permission to play. If you want to be on this team, these are givens. Yeah. We, these aren't like what, what we need to like continually beat the drum with all the time. This should just be like, Hey, if you want to be on staff here. So like at a church, one of the things is, man, we want you to have a relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is a permission to play for us. And we, we value you spending time with him. So that's, that's more of a, the permission to play. Then there's the accidental values. And these are the values that you accidentally fall into and you allow to happen to you in your organization. And if there's something in there that's toxic in your, wherever you're working right now, um, you, you need to look in the mirror because to some extent you've allowed that. Yeah. And what you, what you allow can become a value whether you realize it or not, it doesn't need to be written down for it to be a value in the minds and the hearts of your people. Mm -hmm. And so you need to look, man, is this something we've allowed? And do I need to actually correct this thing? And then they get to the core values. This is like the core of who we are. And if we're going to beat the drum around three, four things, these are the things that make us distinctly unique about, and what's unique about working here. And it's really about how do we get to those? And, you know, I think our six values are kind of a combination um, of those, not accidental, uh, (laughs) but, but are they, you know, we've been very intentional with these, but they're still, they're kind of a combination of some of those other ones. I don't think we have that knowledge. No, I don't think we did too, but when we put them together. So that's something we learned on the back end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as we go through these, Feel free to say, "Hey, this is an aspirational goal, or this is one of our core not, not aspirational. This is one of our aspirational values, or what's a core value, all that kind of stuff." Of the first three that we shared in the last episode, people first, same team, and go get it. What, what would you? Were any of those aspirational values that we started with? I don't know. What, what would Amanda? What would you say um, about what categories would you put those first three values? Into like people first, same team, go get it. I mean, I think people first and same team is more core value mm-hmm. would be my opinion. Um, go get it. I don't know. I mean, that one, I think, um, I don't think that fits into the core value. You yep. know, it's interesting. You said people first, same team core. 
I think at first it was aspirational. I think it has become core. Hmm. Is that possible? Uh, I agree. Okay. Actually, yeah. Okay. You think it was aspirational when we... Mm-hmm. we... We put it on there because this is someone, this is something we wanted to become. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't who we were when, you know, when we put it all together. So that's really important as people that's are developing these values. Because I think if you get them confused, you start to think, well, this is one of our core values. And you're like, but we, we aren't that. You know, so that can't be one of our values. Absolutely, it can be. And that can help shape the culture of your organization. So, okay, let's uh, let's start working through the three that we're going to talk about today. And we'll start with our fourth value, which is give it back. If you remember last week, uh, last episode, it was go get it. We immediately follow that value with give it back. Mm-hmm. And uh, the sentence we have attached to that is, I believe that everyone is gifted to serve. And it is my job to equip them to be a difference maker. So you guys want to give some from some story behind that or why is that one of our values at Rocky? It's funny. I think we, we probably all have a little different version just based on personal experience to why these values came about or play out. But I think in church world, it can be really easy at different seasons and times for us to be very staff driven um, and to not include people in a volunteer role or for various reasons. Um, And I think there was a season probably where we were going through that, not doing a good job um, of, you know, giving people something to work towards a purpose um, for the ministry that they were serving in. And it's really easy to want things to be done our way. And it takes more work to cast vision and mission and get everybody moving in the same direction. But obviously we realize quickly you can't do everything on your own. We're better when you include other people for multiple reasons. But that would be my answer of Mm -hmm. why we developed this. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's recognizing as a staff that we literally can't do it all. We can't be the ministers and the pastors and the, you know, and and the leaders to every single individual there. And, and then it's recognizing it in, in people and calling that out in them. And it's helping our church realize that they're not just here to consume. They get to own a piece of this. And it's not our church, the staff, it is ours, the whole, the whole church. Mm -hmm. And it is us realizing and, and being able to hold with open hands and say, man, we want to, we want to give this back and equip you yeah. to, to do this work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, I think it's hard uh, to, to get to that point because it is, you know, we know that we're going to do it better. Um, we think um, they might not have the time. And so we kind of make up all these excuses. We why say this no is for not, people. We say no for people yeah. and we need to, really shift our mindset and be like, how can I look and see everyone as, man, what can they contribute? And how do I call that out in them? Mm -hmm. Um, so I can, you know, equip them and give it back. And then, Oh, sorry. I was going to say surprise, surprise. Sometimes there's people, it's like, they could do that better than we could, (laughs) (laughs) you know, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are you going to say? I was just going to say, I think this plays out both in the volunteer role. And then for me, just as a campus pastor leader at this place, it also plays out in how I lead the people who report to me of not having this mindset that I need to do it all from a leadership standpoint, but developing leadership in, you know, the people that are under my leadership and 
kind of that, I know we've used this term, it's not a value, but kind of that next man, man up kind of mentality of, but give stuff back. I don't need to take everything yeah. either. And so I think it's a, it's a dual mm-hmm. um, value. Well, Andy Stanley famously says, only do what only you can do. And it's that discipline because sometimes we feel like we are serving people well if we do all the work. Mm-hmm. And you guys can just sit back and the reality is they want to be involved or they need to be developed, like you're saying, those skills. So I'm going to focus on what only I can do, and I want to give everything else away. Not because I'm lazy, not because I just don't want to do it, or I don't want to be tasked with that. It's because other people could step in and say, let me take that, and I can run with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's, that's a hard discipline for me. Because you, one, one thing you said, Mitch, is sometimes you identify, there are things about my job that I don't like to do. And I would never ask anyone else to do that, because they're awful. Mm-hmm. That These tasks are awful. Some people look at that and be like, I love doing those kinds of things. And uh, so it's a discipline of being able to see outside of yourself what yep. you like, what your strengths, what your weaknesses are. It's a really good discipline to, to practice. But I struggle with that one. It's one of the values that I struggle with the most. It's funny. I, I We didn't have that value. I've been here forever working, but and this was not a value or part of it when I got hired. But I look at that value and I think if Alinda Algram wouldn't have been in a position to give it back, I probably wouldn't be in the position I am today because I think when you equip volunteers um, and you do give them opportunity, we also see opportunity. And sometimes you see things and gifts in people that they never knew that, that they had. We never knew that they had. And that develops into, you know, other things. Some of our best, you know, hires or things like that come from people who have just volunteered for us. Mm So lastly, I, I think this one might be easy to, to make the connection to our home. But Mitch, you listened to our last episode and we were trying to say, okay, these values are not just good for the workplace. They're not just good for church, but they're also good to implement in our home. And how do you see this playing out for if you are raising kids? Uh, how could this play out? I mean, I, I see it as equipping our kids to help contribute. Or, and we're all contributors to this family. Mm-hmm. And I'm not... I'm not doing my kids any service if I am doing all of their laundry and all of their dishes and all of their everything for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I might resent them for having to do their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it has, you know, been one of those things where even in the morning, we have a seven-year-old who makes her own lunch every morning. Um, and our, our nine-year-old make, they both make their own lunch and they've been doing that for almost a year. Mm-hmm. Um, they, so they have these responsibilities and I think it's like, how do I encourage and equip them to be independent yeah. <laughs> humans, uh, and learn to give it back? Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's keep going. Our next one is just say it. That's our fifth value. And it says, I will have honest conversations saying what needs to be said with grace and truth. Let's talk about that one. Yeah, I think um, this value developed out of a culture that probably had been created around here of maybe the meeting after the meeting kind of a culture. (laughs) Um, So you're sitting in the room with people. um, Everyone sits in the room, doesn't say what they really want to say, leaves the room, says what they really want to say to at least one other person. And then it does the loop of finally getting back to leadership and realizing 
this is not a healthy culture. And as hard as it is as leaders, we want to create a culture where people can say what they need to say in the room. Um, and some of that isn't just even hard stuff. Some of it's people aren't saying something helpful. And it's like you could get to a conclusion or a place quicker if you would just say it yeah, in the yeah. room. And so we just created this this value. Um, give your last 10%. That's something that you'll hear a lot attached to that in this mm-hmm. place, which is don't just give 80 Tell the whole story, say all that you need to say, and then let's work from there. Where did the other 10% go? You said, give your last 10%. Don't just say the 80. I don't know. <laughs> it's like a 10, 10, 80 plan. Like you save 10%. Yeah, you, <laughs> you save 10%. Yeah. And, okay, I love it. I think some of the way this, this plays out, to your point, Amanda, is there's a risky thing that your organization is trying, and everyone's like, all right, well, this is what we're going to do. Everyone good? Yeah. Then the thing fails, and there's someone who's like, yeah, I didn't think that was going to work. <laughs> and I was it's thinking the exact same Yes. Thing. And it's yeah. like, then why are you then, here? Mm-hmm. Why are you here if you were not willing to say that last 10%? But it, it, it puts a lot of uh, emphasis on the organization to welcome that last 10%, which is probably going to be the dissenting vote, and how are you going to handle that? Mm-hmm. But I think at the very least, what it means is, okay, I hear you. You disagree with the plan. I hear you. We're still going to move forward with it. Right. But noted, you know? So when it comes back around, it's not this, uh, I told you so. It's like, yeah, I mean, you ended up being right. Mm-hmm. And a much healthier place to be. So, I mean, on another end, I've, I've had staff members actually come into my office and say, and shut my door and be like, hey, I've been thinking about this. And I realize I have some last 10%. And they open with that and it's like, oh, okay, this is what this meeting's about. Yeah. And they're able to share from a posture of curiosity, you know, and, and we, that's what we really try to help people. It's like, Hey, this, this isn't like I'm attacking. This is, Hey, help me understand mm-hmm. this. And, you know, and so that's really helpful um, when somebody has that language and then has the permission to do that. Right. It, it creates more, more health there. Um, and you know, and then also if somebody comes to you and be like, I'm just so mad at so-and-so because they're no, 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 no. Well, like, well, have you talked to them? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we try to get as much as possible, turn them and point them in the, like, go right. have that conversation right. first. Right. Um, because that's not helpful just talking to me about it. Yes. No, I think it's funny too, because I, I don't know what you guys would say about this. And I know what you both would say about me. Um, but I think we lean one way or the other, either heavy on truth or heavy on grace, just naturally as individuals. And so what this has done, I think, is take the person who may be too truth oriented, yeah. which I know that can be me sometimes, and say, hey, don't forget about the grace. And then the person who maybe doesn't want to give that last truth and say, no, I, w- I want you to give that. You've got so much grace, yes. but you're not getting to the I mean, truth. That's That's been a journey for myself. I've been on the grace side and needed to get to the truth side. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that I didn't know, it's just like I felt uncomfortable sharing that. Right. right. And so it, it, it took some time for me to learn and grow into that. Um, I'm with you, Mitch, and I think the way I would say it is maybe the spiritual way, but like, yeah, I leaned more towards the grace. I think the reality is I'm leaning more towards the peace, more towards well, well, the lack of conflict. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's the side I lead lean towards Sean has shared this that in in some of his past he's been more on that grace and peace side and he doesn't say what needs to be said someone walks out of the room like I feel great 
when he was trying to confront them about something, <laughs> you know, and it's like they never got that truth. So they walk away. Guess what? You're going to run into the same problem over and over and over again. Was there anything else you were going to say, Mitch? I might have uh, cut you off. I was just going to talk about if if you're not familiar with the five dysfunctions of a team, um, it's very helpful book. But in there, it talks really a, a lot about the concept of just say it because it talks about uh, on the the bottom part of this pyramid is trust. Mm -hmm. Our teams need to have this level of trust in order to be able to the next part of that pyramid going up is conflict, being able to have healthy and constructive conflict because it's out of that conflict that we actually can make a commitment to something, hold each other accountable and get the results we want. Mm. But it's that conflict part that I feel like is in that last 10% that is in that just say it, but it's being able to do it in a healthy way without blowing up the relationship yeah. or going around gossiping about other people. Yeah. So how have you guys seen this play out in your home or how could families uh, employ this in their, their homes? I mean, I think our kids are all grown and out of the house at this point, but this was definitely a value to our house. I think we created a culture in our house where Nick's smiling. I'm not I have sure a story. why. I have but, a story. <laughs> um, where I feel like they, they could say it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think as parents, it's hard sometimes to go to that spot of either apologizing, asking for forgiveness, having conversation that is healthy so kids can also know that they can say what they need to say and we can get to a place of conflict and conflict resolution that's healthy. But. Are you allowed to share the story of Chloe talking to Cherokee oh. on the phone? <laughs> yeah. You want me to share that story? I, I would love it. Uh -huh. So my girls obviously are, are, like I said, grown 25 and 27. And this was probably only six months ago or so. And so Chloe had called and um, she... I, I do this thing with my girls. I, I say often, listen, is this a, is this a listening conversation or an advice conversation? Because they'll call and I'm, I just want to know where yeah. my stance is. Am I giving advice or am I just, are you just venting? Because it helps me in my truth telling. Sure. That's how I exercise my grace of not just spewing truth on them. So she, um, was venting and it was like, Hey, this is an advice conversation. So she'd given me permission, but then didn't love the advice <laughs> So she was um, going off, and anyway, bottom line, she hangs up. She calls her sister, um, Cherokee. Well, Cherokee calls me at the same time and does a three-way call, and Chloe does not know that I'm on the phone <laughs> at this point, and she is just going off to Cherokee, um, and she, what did she call me? Was it like a crack? Mom is a crackhead. <laughs> so she to Cherokee in all of her honesty, mom's being a crackhead and she's going on and Cherokee's trying to be like, uh, and Chloe just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and she gets all the way done. And I said, Hey, Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> and she just burst out into tears on the phone. And yeah, it was a moment that we all laugh about now, yes. but yeah. So. I love that story. Mm -hmm. I, I just think that's a great insult to throw at someone you're being a crackhead right now <laughs> okay anything you'd add to the just say it mitch um only that you know for our family when we talk a lot about being honest and that's one of the it's one of our big rules of our uh, around our house because and then we say 
we want you to be honest because when you're not, it actually breaks relationship mm-hmm. and it makes it hard for us to trust you. And I think that's not only true at home, but true here in the office too. Like we need to be honest right. with each other or it breaks trust. Very, very good. Okay. Our final value, number six, after all those things that are very practical and very, um, you know, we, we talked about like, hey, go get it, give it back. It's all this, you know, it's like we're, we need to, to, to work hard and we need to, you know, be really intentional with how we're leading. And our final one is take a breath. It's this value that, that we very intentionally brought in there. I think we struggle with it. Um, but the, the sentence that we have with it is, I will stop and be present with Jesus, knowing everything depends on my intimacy with him. So can we talk a little bit about how do we get to, how do we arrive to this value? Go ahead, Mitch. I mean, this is the hardest value for me. And I'll, yeah. I'll speak I, was, in. I almost was like, Amanda, <laughs> how are you doing with that? With you one? can ask that. It's funny. I would say, um, listen, I can be present with Jesus without having to stop. That's probably. <laughs> <laughs> and also. And you're I, like, Pew! and Jesus is like, where'd you go? <laughs> I think I struggle with this leading our staff. We, we. Um, did something called renewal days along with the take a breath. So we give some, our staff a certain amount of days per year or quarter to really just do that, to go and spend time with Jesus. And I, when a renewal day comes across to get approved, I have to work really hard to not be annoyed mm-hmm. by that um, in full confession. And so it is important and necessary and it's important and necessary for the reasons that I'm telling you is because I think we can get in go mode. And yeah. for us as an organization, there's a part of the, this, that's a given. We should be spending time with Jesus. We work at a church where right. Having a relationship a part of it with that Jesus. Is <laughs> permission to play is part of it, but there's also the recognition that we don't want to burn ourselves or our team or our staff yes. out. Yes. And that's probably where it came out of is, you know, I used to have a joke about Sean being rocket man Mm -hmm. um, and just like going super fast all the time and on to the next thing. And here we go and we're doing this and we're taking this hill and we're going. And I was like, wow, you know, for someone who, you know, is an Enneagram nine, that's, it's, it's a lot of speed and a lot of intensity all the time. And ministry is never done. So the one thing I have learned is that we could work every day, all day, it never ends. You're never going to go home and say, I have every single thing done. So it's okay to stop, take a breath, refuel, get yourself in a better frame of mind in whatever way that, that you need to, and then move on yeah. to ministry. I think uh, one any listener with their organization, maybe you'd be like, I'd really struggle with this one because in my organization, maybe we we're, we're, God is not this overt element of our business. I think this can look different ways in different places. I think maybe one of your values values is we want to have fun. You know, it's like, even though we're working hard, we're, I know it's not the same as spending time with Jesus, but I think there is a certain element of, we want to make sure that we are healthy mm-hmm. and w- we are balanced. And it's not just to get all the sales done. It's not just to whatever, cross all the tasks off the lists. We want to have fun while we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And that can, uh, translate to specific things that you do in your organization to make sure people are enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things I, I do love about take a breath is that take a breath or that intimate time with Jesus looks different for everyone. Yeah. So how you encounter that and how I encounter that 
looks different. And we didn't put a, like specify, this is how you have to spend that time. We said, you get this day. There's some parameters around it. We don't want you to. It's not just a day off for a day off sake. Yeah, Yeah. it's not a day off, but it might be a nap. It might be, um, it looks different. It might be sitting by a lake. It might be taking a walk. It Mm -hmm. might be whatever works for you is, is great. It, and it can't be just a day off because we have days off. Mm-hmm. Right. And if we're like, oh, man, I need a renewal day because I need to take a day off. It's There's probably something out of balance mm-hmm. in your work, in your ministry. If it's on your days off, you are still not resting. You're not being rejuvenated. Yeah. I, I mean, I really look at take a breath as uh, much more being like intentional um, with your intimacy with Jesus, but really healthy rhythms in life. Yeah. Um, for me, it, for me, it is, I want to have like every day with Jesus on those renewal days. So like quarterly, it's a time to recalibrate for myself. So I love to learn. So I'll spend time reading. I'll spend time going over my goals, going over, um, you know, what I want to do over this next quarter. And that is renewing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I want to, and then I also think with this, um, with this value is to actually take the vacation that you have, because that is, again, for yeah. me, that helps keep me in balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that I actually, I need to work hard, but I need to rest hard also. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's how I view the value. Mm-hmm. And you said it looks different for different people. I think it's, uh, I have a couple staff members working for me Every single time we do a staff evaluation, this is the thing that they're like, I'm I'm not doing a good job again. And they're not bragging about how hard they work. They're just saying, I really struggle with this. And uh, in, a, in a conversation in, in the last meeting we had is, maybe it's not just focusing on where you can stop and slow down. That is, I think that's a good practice and we can grow in that. But it's finding the things that truly renew you. So I know I've noticed for myself, if I have one of those days on the weekend or on a Friday or whatever, because we take Fridays off, where I can get a couple of projects done around the house, so I'm productive. Um, maybe it's a little bit slower paced than normal, so I'm able to rest a little bit more. And then there's some other activity where it's like I spent an hour in the hammock reading a book and I wasn't on my phone. Mm-hmm. And it's like those days can be like I am ready to go. Like this was an amazing day. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to be I just plopped down by a river Mm-hmm. and looked at birds for 12 hours. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have, we don't have to romanticize it of something like, I will never do that. But it's finding the things that renew you. Fly fishing for me. I, don't, I haven't done that in like two years. Mm-hmm. But if I can spend six hours fly fishing, I come back like my, my mind is completely like at rest. Mm. So finding what that looks like for you. In different seasons, if you've got young kids at home, it's going to be really hard to stop and find rest. But you could probably say that excuse at any at any age. I think for a family, though, it's good to just, um, I mean, obviously in our organization, we can talk about taking a Sabbath or what are you taking a Sabbath right. from. And so I think for a family, it can just even be, hey, maybe that's no phones for half a day or, yeah. you know, no electronics or whatever it looks like to just maybe step away from the norm um, and some of the routine. Yeah. And Yeah. It makes me think of in our families, anytime my kids are like, I'm bored, I'm usually like, good. Because uh-huh. something good's going to happen. Like, you're going to go do something that's going to be really creative. You're going to go find some neighbors, and you're going to end up playing something that's a whole lot more fun. 
than if you watch TV or whatever. And the same is probably true for us. Like allow yourself in those moments to get a little bit bored because mm-hmm. maybe you're not as you know bombarded as you normally are. And maybe something good's really going to come out of that. Maybe, and this is, if there could be an incentive that you go for if you're a go-getter, it may be in those moments that you actually have the aha moment that solves the problem at work that you can't get under, you know, you can't understand it. But when you actually give yourself some room, some space to turn off, that might be the moment that all of a sudden something clicks. So every once in a while I have a really good idea while I'm in the shower. Yeah. (laughs) So if I just took a shower for eight hours... You'd, you'd, have, you'd have, have so many answers. You'd have so many That's ideas. That's what I'm doing on my next renewal day. Yes. <laughs> going to come back all pruny. Oh, he's going to. Okay. Um, anything else you guys would add to these values? The conversation. Um, I, you know, I would, my encouragement is find your values. Um, it, it will take some work, but it will be worth it. And do not just put them in a notebook and put it in a drawer or just put them on a wall. You need to find ways of continually putting it in front of your staff. And I think we've really, really worked hard yeah. on that. You know, we've, I mean, we've had different seasons of us, different people on the lead team sharing about that, a different value. This last season, um, Matt and Amanda actually had different staff members at their campus Love actually Matt. share uh, those things. Um, you know, we've talked about, we hire and fire by our values. We are constantly trying to figure out how do we put this in front of our people? We, it's, it's a part of our coaching conversations with, you know, and mm-hmm. our performance review stuff. And so it is embedded and interwoven all six of these into all the things we do because we recognize this is important and we want to keep it in front of people. Yeah. So not only find your values, but find ways that you're going to integrate them throughout your entire organization and continually bring them up. Well said. Well, I don't think there's anything else we could add. Thank you guys for being on the episode. Thanks for being two in a row, Amanda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited. Thanks, Amanda. You're, <laughs> you're welcome, Mitch. Thumbs up. <laughs> oh, just one. Oh yeah. Just one. <laughs> yeah. Give her two. Oh, okay. Thanks. There you go. Thanks. Well, thanks again for joining us on Rocky Unscripted. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can go to rocky.church slash this week. And no matter when you're listening, it'll always be up to date. We love to connect with you and love to serve you as much as we can. Please share the podcast, rate us, review us. That helps us be seen by more and more people. Love you guys. and We'll catch you next time.